you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. This time of year, um, I hear people numbering the days till Christmas, saying how many days it is, how exciting it is. And, uh, And it is. It's a wonderful thing to look forward to. Um, I think back to my childhood. Uh, yes, I had a childhood. Um, it was a long, long time ago, but once upon a time I was young. And uh, when, I, when I think back to those times, I think how exciting it was, because back then we used to get new clothes uh, twice a year, um, birthday and Christmas. And so if you outgrew your clothes, you really looked forward to when the holiday was coming around because then you were going to get some clothes that fit again. And meanwhile, you looked impoverished and goofy and so forth. But, but you knew the day is coming. You're going to get pants that fit. They will probably be a little large because your parents always want to make sure you have some room to grow. Those were the days. But um, when we look back through history, Prior to Jesus' birth, there were people looking forward to the coming of Messiah. And what they envisioned was not necessarily exactly what God had promised. Because God had made promises, but we have a tendency sometimes to hear what we want to hear, and to see what we want to see, and to expect what we'd like to expect. So we're going to go back and look at two passages from the book of Isaiah this morning. And in these two passages, we have two of the most important and lengthiest messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. The first is in Isaiah 9. Isaiah chapter 9. This is God's word. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea, along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, A child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and 
he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. God speaks through the prophet Isaiah and talks about the fact that in Galilee, in the area where Jesus spent most of his time, a beautiful part of the country, um, much more lush and green, not as arid as uh, the area where Jerusalem is located, but um, uh, just a, a beautiful place that there God would shine and bring hope and deliverance. And how's he going to do it? With the birth of a child, through an individual. God is going to provide salvation for his people through the birth of a lamb, the lamb of God, the one who comes not with a, a huge sword on a charging steed, but who comes in humility, born of a virgin. This amazing promise that God makes of a child who will have the government on his shoulders. Government on the shoulders of a child? He's going to grow up and he's going to be the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The government will be on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful. This hearkening back to Judges 13, 18, where the pre-incarnate Christ says, my name is beyond understanding. He'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. How can that be? How can a baby be born and be called Mighty God? John answers that for us in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. He'll be called the Everlasting Father. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Don't you know who I am? He and the Father are one. He's the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus is not campaigning for office. He's not hoping that enough people will support him and he'll be able to pull this off. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He said to his disciples when he was about to ascend back to the Father after he had conquered death, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you go, make disciples. And when you and I 
share the good news with people who don't know Jesus. We need to do it with a clear understanding that we're not trying to build a team so that we can win. We are offering terms of peace from the God that they have offended but who loves them anyway and sent his son to offer salvation and now sends us to offer that same salvation. But the salvation is not just about forgiveness. It's about coming into a relationship with Jesus as your king, as your Lord, as your boss, as your ruler. The message of God's love for us, his unconditional love, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That message is absolutely vital. We've got to get that across. But he loved us so much that he sent his son to take the punishment we deserved. If you scorn his son and you scorn his sacrifice and you insist on your own self-righteousness, then I don't think I've done anything all that bad. I can't imagine that Jesus would have to die for me. I mean, I can see where some people might need that kind of thing, but I think I'm a pretty good person. I think I've lived a pretty good life. I try hard to do the right thing, and I know I've made mistakes, but I haven't ever killed anybody. If that's your attitude, then you don't know him. You don't appreciate what he's done. But the Bible tells us that when we recognize our sin, his sacrifice, we need to receive him not just as the sacrifice for sin, but as who he is. God incarnate, the Lord of life, the ruler of all things. The promise is that the government will be on his shoulders. And he will not only be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, but of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. Folks, I want to thank those of you who have responded to our requests for help. We definitely need help between now and the end of the year, and we are very grateful to those who are able to help us care for the children at Wares Valley Ranch. You may be in a position financially where you really can't send anything right now. That's okay. We are still glad you're listening. I hope you'll pray for us. I'd love for you to just drop us a, even a postcard saying, I want you to know I'm praying for you. We'd be glad to hear from you. You can call us toll-free and tell us that you're praying for us. But if you're in a position financially to send something to support the children here at Wears Valley Ranch, please, if you would, send something today. God bless you. So God, the sovereign ruler of all things, because he is the sovereign creator of all things, chose to offer terms of peace to a people who were in rebellion. He could have simply eliminated our planet, but he had other plans. 
he had chosen before the beginning of time, before he created us, knowing all things, including the future, God chose to save us for his glory. And that is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And so what was his means of salvation? For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now, turn over to Isaiah. Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 13. This is God's word. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness, so he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not understood, they will understand. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities." Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. May God 
add his blessing to this reading from his holy word. What, what is this about? Well, obviously, if you know the story, it's about Jesus. Long before the birth of the child, God had ordained that this child came to die. Jesus didn't simply come into this world in order to teach us with his words how we were to live. Jesus said many magnificent things, and Jesus worked miracles of healing and deliverance from demons. Jesus demonstrated the power of God in an amazing way. But please understand, that was prelude. Jesus demonstrated glimpses of the kingdom of God. But then he did the will of the Father, and he offered his life as the sacrifice for sins, exactly as had been prophesied. Just what God said. The suffering servant was the Messiah. And the only way that you and I could be forgiven was through his sacrifice. Now again, please understand, the goal is not just forgiveness, but forgiveness is necessary in order to achieve the goal, which is our reconciliation with the Father and our union with him. God doesn't just want to be friends with his people. God is more than our concept of a father to his people. Our concept is too limited. God says that he will make us one spirit with him. He will make us one with him. Through Jesus Christ, you can have a relationship with God that is so intimate, so real, so powerful, and so eternal that nothing else compares. Nothing else. Jesus came in fulfillment of God's promises to do what had to be done in order that you and I might have oneness with him. So when we look at these passages about the horrible disfigurement beyond that of any man, his form marred beyond human likeness, we're reading about his crucifixion. He was cut off from the land of the living, but it was for the transgression of my people that he was stricken. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. That's our story. Not just some of us, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Do you know how sheep wander off? Have you ever watched the sheep out there? I know there are different kinds of sheep, and some of them have better qualities than others, and I think our sheep are wonderful. But if you learn about sheep as a type of animal, you find that they are not very intelligent. And God says, you are my sheep. It's true. 
Sheep are not only not very smart, but they're short-sighted. They don't have real good vision. And so typically what happens with a sheep is that they're out there in the pasture and they see something to eat and they eat it. And while they're eating it, down to the ground, they see something else over to the side and they go and they nibble on that. And while they're eating that, they see something else nearby and they go and they nibble on that. And they see something else and they go and they nibble on that. They don't have a plan when they get up in the morning. Okay. They do not say, well, I guess it's time to rise and shine. Let's see, I've got a number of things I've got to accomplish today. That's not the way their life is. They just kind of wake up and start eating and grazing, going from place to place and one thing to another, kind of like some people. Okay? And then they begin to realize, I don't smell any other sheep. Where are the other sheep? And they look up and look around and being short-sighted, if the other sheep are not close by, they can't see them. The sheep may be right there in the pasture, but they can't see them because they're too far from them. And they're looking. And if they don't see the sheep, they make noise. They go, bah! Bah! And the other sheep will raise up for just a minute and go, bah! And then this one will move toward them. And then start eating again. Okay? That's what happens. But every now and then, the sheep will find themselves estranged from the others and call out and not hear anything because they've wandered off too far. They didn't set out to get separated. They didn't say, I'm tired of the other sheep. I'm going to strike out on my own. I believe that the the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. They just go a little at a time, a little at a time, a little at a time. That's how people tend to get into addiction, isn't it? Did you ever meet anybody who said, I want to be a heroin addict. That's my goal. I'm going to start working on it today. No. It's just a little of this and a little of this. It's how people get into all kinds of addictions. It's how people get into all kinds of trouble just a little bit at a time. All of us can relate to that because all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. That is right in the middle of this description of what Jesus came to do. He came not just to die for us, but to die for our healing. By his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, verse 10, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. By his knowledge, verse 11, my servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. He made intercession, verse 12, for the transgressors. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came so that we could be saved, not just forgiven, but forgiven and healed and brought into relationship with the Father. 
That's the plan. That's what Christmas is about. That's why the birth of Jesus matters. He wasn't just a precious baby born in the Middle East a long time ago. God became a man so that you and I could become part of God's family. Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we, if we're in Christ, belong to Him. That's really good news. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.